And all right, thank you so much for partnering with us and giving. Good morning, happy 4th of July, everybody. Excited you're with us. Thank you so much for joining us today at The Pursuit. Our dear pastor, uh, Russell, our founding pastor, he is preaching in Dallas-Fort Worth this morning at one of our partner churches down there. And uh, so uh, you got, you got the, the second best preacher in the world right here. So I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Just a little joke. I, I'm not, I, I, well, whatever. Okay. Hey, quick announcement, though, before we get uh, started. We have an opportunity. Uh, if you didn't know, we, The Pursuit has a preschool here, and it's incredible, and they are hiring. So if you're looking for a job and you're looking for a Christian environment to help train the next generation of leaders, then this might be for you. Contact us. There should be some information somewhere. There you go. Uh, get this information. Get plugged in. We're looking for quality people that want to help train the next generation. And speaking of training the next generation, uh, Pastor Alex, our youth pastor, young, uh, excuse me, generations pastor is here with us. What's going on, bro? Yeah. Hey, get my title right, okay? I got to get it right. I okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so uh, as you guys may have heard in the announcements, we have summer camp starting on Sunday next week. We're so excited. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can feel it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, just a quick announcement, quick change of plans. Uh, we are not be, uh, we will not be going to Bellingham this year. Uh, we're actually changing to Yakima. Okay. Uh, and so uh, this isn't a bad thing at all. Uh, it's just Yakima. A, Yakima. It's, <laughs> the only difference is that your kids are going to be riding in the car for an extra two hours. And so uh, <laughs> that's the only difference. And so trust me, you will not feel the pain. I will feel all of the pain. All that's right? right. And so uh, no worries there. Uh, but just wanted to give a, parents a heads up and just a quick update. Uh, also, uh, today is the last day to register your students for camp. So if you're a grandparent, an aunt, uncle, parents, whatever, uh, neighbors, I don't know, maybe you found a kid walking here, uh, but whatever, uh, <laughs> sign them up for camp. I'm going to be in the back uh, by the bathrooms. There's a little sign set up. Uh, you, can, you can meet me over there after service. Uh, I'd love to help you get signed up for camp. And then also, if you, wanna, if you have any questions, if you're like, Bellingham doesn't, or I won't, I refuse. I hate Yakima. I refuse to have my no, kids go there. No, you know, no, whatever. No, no, no. Uh, if you have any questions about any of that kind of stuff, just come and see me in the back. Uh, but, man, we are so excited for summer camp. It's going to be a blast. Listen, my life was changed at one yeah. of these camps. Yeah. Guys, how many of you, your life was changed at a Christian camp, like high school? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Look yeah, at yeah. See? Yeah, this is yeah. a big deal. Let's invest into our future here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So super excited for camp. And please be My kids praying. are going. Yeah, yeah, your kids are going. Uh, I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. But <laughs> <laughs> They're here somewhere. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> I love River. If you're in here, buddy, I love you, man. <laughs> but yeah, be praying for us. And man, we are so excited for camp this year. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. All right. Well, this morning I want to share with you a couple of things out of the book of Nehemiah. I was praying in the last little bit here, and uh, I've really felt like the Lord began to speak to me in regards to our posture as a church here in this hour. And I really felt like there is a twofold mandate that we carry here in the earth, here in the Northwest. I grew up here in the Northwest, um, left Marysville in 1999 to move to Las Vegas to finish Bible college. And now I've been back for about a year and I feel like there are some keys and some things that God had been speaking to me about this hour and this region and what he's doing here in the region. I got saved in the Marysville revival. Some of you remember those days in the early 90s, there was an outpouring 
of the Holy Spirit in, the, in a little town just north of here, Marysville, Washington, with Pastor Benny Perez. Some of you guys were there. Listen, my life was forever marked and transformed uh, there by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. I think the world is tired of dry, dead. I know I am tired of dry, dead religion. We don't have time for foolishness anymore. Listen, the hour is late, right? The hour is short. We don't have time to be playing church anymore. See, we have a mission and a mandate. There's a calling. And let me just prophesy a little bit to you here. What God's doing here in the Northwest, there's not buildings big enough to contain the harvest that God is bringing in in this hour. You say, well, I don't see it. Yeah, you got to get eyes to see. We got to begin to look higher. We got to begin to lift our eyes a little bit higher. Ugh. I preached my guts out in the first service, so I'm trying to get my gas going here. <laughs> I said, like, I got to save a little gas for the tank for the next service. <laughs> what the Spirit of God is doing, I'm telling you, what He's doing here is not just for here. There are other cities that God is giving us. There are, this, this whole region is being stirred right now. There's something that's shifting and happening. I was just studying the Barna says, uh, the Barna Research Group, they, they did a research and they said, they did a study and they said that Seattle, Tacoma is the second least church region in the entire country. Somebody said, yay, I like that spirit. Why? Because God does his best work in the darkest places. Hey, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. Listen, I moved from the Northwest to Las Vegas, okay? And, and they call that place Sin City, okay? The, 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 the warfare, the witchcraft, the, the, the temptation is very overt, right? It's in your face. I mean, it's just very in your face. You walk down the street, if anybody ever been there, there's pornography all over the street, there's all kinds of craziness. Literally, you can get anything your heart desires at any time of the day or night. It's very overt. Here in the Northwest, though, the temptation and the, the witchcraft is, is covert. It's very quiet. It's behind the scenes. It sounds and looks differently. And I feel like as I've been praying into what God's doing here in this region, I, I, I felt like the Lord gave me this picture, this twofold mandate. And in this, re, in this season, this is what it looks like. The church's posture in this, looks, in this season. We, we build with one hand and we battle with the other. We have a mission and a mandate. Um, this is the, the, we're going back to Genesis chapter one. The Bible says in, in, in Genesis 1, 28, he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. Build the family, build the oikos, right? Build the house of God and have authority in the nations. See, here's the deal. When, oh boy, oh, you got, y'all got me going already. Look at this. I'm, I'm on a rabbit trail already. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, when, uh, the, uh, the, father, the father gave gifts to men. The father gave gifts. That's Romans 12, 13, somewhere there. The father's gifts. The Holy Spirit gave gifts, right? Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians 12, 13, 14, you learn about them there. Jesus gave gifts. He gave in Ephesians 4, he gave the fivefold ministry. The apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Why? For the perfecting of the church, for the building up, the building of the church, the building, right? The building of the church for the work of the ministry. This was the mandate. In Genesis 1, this was a twofold mandate. Build the house. 
and have authority. So, so the pastor, teacher, Russell touched on this a little bit last week, and I was curious if I was going to do this, but we'll do it now. The, the pastor, teacher, and evangelist are more, fo- are you following me, are focused on building the house. The apostle and the prophet are focused on the mission. So when, so pastor, teacher, and evangelist, they want to make sure everybody's okay, taken care of. You all right. We take care of the flock, and we need that. But if we have a system that does not make room for the apostle and the prophet, we begin to miss out on the mission because their intention and they're wired to actually see the mission first. Yes, we're a family. Yes, we're called to be a family. But we're also a tribe. We're also an army. And we're also a nation. So when you have a community that's led by people that are more apostolic and more prophetic, you're going to hear more about the mission than you are going to hear about, hey, uh, how, how's, you know, how's your big toe feeling from yesterday, you know? So the problem is, unfortunately, is we're coming, not a problem, the blessing is we're coming out of structures that were focused more on just building inward. And we're coming into a season where the church begins to understand, oh, we've got a mission here. We've got to be doing something in the earth. It's not okay anymore that Seattle, Tacoma is the second most unchurched region in the country. In fact, the Barna Group, when they did their research, they said it's actually um, that this area is, is the most uh, de-churched. Interesting. And what they meant by that was uh, people that once attended that no longer attend. So that shows me that we're trying to answer questions that the world is not asking. So what happens is, is God has to send people into our lives to kick us around, kick us in the rear end a little bit and get us back on mission. That's what I'm here to do today. The book of Nehemiah, the Bible says that Nehemiah was born in Babylon, okay? A little backdrop for the story. A thousand years after Moses, 400 years before Christ, the, uh, the, 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 the Jewish people, the Israeli people were taken out of Israel, taken from their homeland, and they were, they were captives and they went to Babylon. Some of you remember the story. And for, there was prophecies for 70 years they were going to be there. Isaiah was there. That's where you get the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those, those dudes. All that story was them coming out of Israel, coming and getting plugged in in Babylon. And what happens is, is this young man is born in Babylon, Nehemiah, and he, he, he grows up hearing the stories of Jerusalem. He had actually never been there. And the Bible says that he was the cupbearer to the king. Now you got to understand, the cupbearer to the king, not only was he very high ranking, but you got to understand, Babylon ruled the entire known world. And this man was literally right, he was like the right hand guy to the king. He was a very important person. You know, they had, you've probably seen the movies, you know, the, the cupbearer would taste the wine to make sure it wasn't poison. They'd taste the food to make sure that it was good. So he had a very, very high place of authority. And the story goes that in the, in the 20th year of King Darius, 
that his brother, Nehemiah's brother, and some of his friends come out of Judah and he says, guys, tell me about Jerusalem. There was something in his heart. He was longing to know because 70, uh, almost 100 years earlier, the king had said, if you want to go back to Jerusalem, you can. And only 50,000 people went back. To go, to go settle back into, in, into Jerusalem. And they said, tell me, about, tell me about the city. And they said, the city is in ruins. And the Bible says that he began to weep. In fact, he sat down and he wept. Literally, the burden came on him so heavy that he had to, it took his, it, he had to sit down. He wept and he prayed and he fasted for many days. Something happened on the inside of him. See, before God gets ready to do a great work through you, he's got to do a great work in you. I think one of the greatest tragedies of the Western theology is the removal of our emotion from our relationship with God. <laughs> we approach him here. We got big heads, but we got little hearts. When was the last time something gripped you that wasn't just wrapped up in yourself? When's the last time that you heard about something and you were so burdened that you carried it in prayer? This man, he prayed and he fasted and he wept. Why? Because he knew that there was something special about this city. Come on now, lift your eyes a little bit. Get, get a little prophetic here with me. Follow me here. There was something special about this area. There was something special about what God wanted to do in the city. There was a prophetic destiny over this city. And he felt it. He said, it's not enough. I, 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 I can't let the city stay in ruins. I must do something. And the Bible says he prayed with intention. If you read the prayer, he says, give me favor with the king so I can do something about it. The great revivalist and evangelist Charles Finney, he said, to pray for revival and do nothing is to tempt God. See, we've, we've said, well, I prayed about it, so it's okay. No, the Bible says that we have a responsibility. Psalm 115, y'all, oh, Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord. I'll get back in the screen for you. The highest heavens belong to the Lord. Psalm 115 verse 16, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Oh, come on, follow me now. Come on, come on, help me now. The Bible says what we bind on earth will be what? And what we bind it, what we loose on earth will be what? Loosed in heaven. Why? Because we're part of the great commission, the co-mission. See, we've got, we've, we've bought into theology that says, well, if it's the will of God, he'll just do it. And I get it. The temptation here is different than Vegas. I've been here a year and I feel it. The temptation is to isolate. And the temptation is to insulate. Say, well, they're just crazy in Seattle and let's just let them be crazy as long as they don't bring their crazy up here. It's that type of thinking that got us in the mess we're in currently. Because we bought into a theology that said, well, we're all getting raptured anyway, so who cares? 
Let's leave, let's leave our places of authority. Let's leave the schools to the world. Let's leave government. Let's leave arts and entertainment. Let's leave it all. And then you want to complain about this, how it is now? No. You don't get a place to complain if you haven't stepped in or taken a chance to even pray about it. Don't, oh, oh I'm preaching now. Yeah, I'm preaching now. Everybody want to complain and talk trash about these things, well, the movies and this, that, and the other. Yeah, well, you're not making anything better anyways. Right. Yeah. Right. Nehemiah said, no, I have a responsibility for a city I've never even seen. There's ones that are coming. Ah, there's ones that are coming. There's young men out there in the world right now that were like me, 13, 14 years old on drugs. That needed to hear the gospel. They need to hear this message. They need to hear the message that God loves them, cares about them, and that God can do a great work in their life. It's not enough for us to insulate and isolate. We can't back off now. This is why Moses, when he got to the burning bush, he had to take off his shoes. Because we got to feel it. He had to feel the ground underneath his feet. Yeah, it was holy ground, but he had to feel it underneath his feet. We've got to allow ourselves to begin to feel. In the charismatic community, we call it the burden of the Lord. Some of you have felt this. Some of you are intercessors in here. You felt the burden of the Lord. The burden of the Lord is when God himself begins to share his heart with you. The Bible says in Psalm 25 that he shares, the, the Lord shares his secrets with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. The Lord has secrets. He has a heart. He has an intention and a plan for this region. And all of a sudden, we, 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 you and me, we begin to tap into and we say, God, what are you doing? What's your heart for this region? And he goes, oh, I found a people I can give my heart to. And they carry the burden and they say, listen, it's not enough for me just to pray and do nothing. Yeah, I, here's the deal. Probably ten, 10 years ago, I'm in Las Vegas. I'm driving. I had a Jeep at the time. It was super cool, man. It was a red Jeep lifted, top down. You know, in Vegas, it's cool because it's like hot all the time. You know, so I'm cruising, you know, and I'm on Lake Mead and I'll never forget it. I'm at the stoplight. And I'm praying like a good, you know, a good Pentecostal pastor guy should. I'm saying, God, pour out your spirit. God, send revival in Las Vegas. You know, God, pour out your spirit. And clear as day, I hear the Holy Spirit. He, he speaks to me and he says, would you stop asking me that? And I went, what? what? <laughs> like, isn't this what you want? And he goes, son, I am pouring out my spirit. You're just not seeing it. When we pray for things that have already been given, we miss the joy of receiving. When Jesus, listen to this, when Jesus, this is very interesting. When Jesus prayed, he didn't, he didn't say, Father, come in and fix this. There's only one time that I found, and it's in John 11, that he actually prays out loud to the Father. And he says, Father, I know you hear me. You always hear me. I'm only praying this way so that the people around me know you hear me. Think about it. He didn't say, God, intervene in this bad situation and fix it. 
What did he do? He only did what he saw his father do. He only said what he heard his father say. And how did he pray? He would walk into situations and he'd go, be healed. See, when I pray for my kids, this is how I pray. I release life to them. I release blessing to them. I release the spirit to them. Why? Because as a son of God in the earth with authority, I have the authority to bind and to loose. And that's what I do. I don't say, I don't say God bless my kids. I say, I release a blessing. So Nehemiah, he began to pray and he began to weep. And I know this message of tears and prayer and fasting is not very hip. It's not very sexy in the West, you know. But here's the deal. The tears of God, the burden of God, and the tears that you cry, water the seeds of greatness that are in you. They water the seeds for what God wants to do in the earth. Oh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, it says that the seeds were actually in the soil, in the earth, but it had not yet rained on the earth because there was no one there to work it. Oh, come on, let me preach to you this morning. How many of you know there are seeds here in the northwest? There are things, blessing and increase, that are already in the ground, and it's just waiting for you to get in there and begin to pray and say, I will take responsibility to tend this garden. Whoa. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, help me now. Y'all making me preach. He fasted for four months. And he prays for favor with the king. And he goes before the king four months later and the king says, what's wrong with you? Now that's a bad statement when the king of the entire world the known world is saying, what's wrong with you? Because in those days, they weren't really supposed to be, you know, showing any bad emotion in front of the king. And he says, how? He says, oh, king, live forever. He says, but how can I be in a good mood when the city of my father's tombs lay in ruins? King says, what do you want? And he says, he prays again. And he says, grant me favor. Here's the deal, friends. You have more favor than you think. But here's, here's the deal. Your favor is not just for you. When I moved up here, uh, I, uh, I recognized that I carry favor. And I realized that there are, I've had a number of prophetic words of the type of people uh, that I'm supposed to be having influence with, the type of people and the authority that I'm, of the people that I'm supposed to have influence, be shaking hands with, connected to. So when I got up here, I recognized I have favor. So what am I going to do with it? Here's the question. What are you going to do with your favor? Paul said we've all been given a measure of grace. What are you going to do with the grace that's on your life? You know, Paul said, I, 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 he says, I've worked the grace more than all the apostles. Think about this. If grace was a free gift, then how could Paul say he worked the grace? It's in 1 Corinthians 10, if you want to check it out, 9 and 10 right in there. It says that he recognized the calling on his life and he worked it. I've got a favor on my life, so I'm going to work it. So you know what I did? I went, to the, I went to the city council meetings and I met the mayor of Everett. Because I thought, I've got favor. What am I going to do with it? So I started showing up to the meetings. I introduced myself to the mayor, introduced myself, and she goes, well, who are you? I said, I'm just, I'm Michael. <laughs> I had this big crazy beard because we had been living on the road for a whole year, you know, and I was like crazy looking. And they're like, who are you? I was wearing a suit and a tie and I had this crazy beard, but, you know, my hair was all nice. And she's like, what? Who are you? I'm like, I'm Michael. I'm here to help. What do you need? 
She goes, well, I don't know. What do you do? I said, well, I'm into X, Y, and Z. She goes, meet this person, meet this person, meet this person. Okay. So I started meeting them. I started meeting the council members. I started building relationship, network, and then COVID shut everything down, so it kind of messed up my plan. But I have favor, and I know my favor is not just for me. Here's the deal. I'm building, plowing, believing, praying, fasting, not just for me and my comfort, but for a generation that is to come, for a city that I've never seen. There are sons and daughters in the earth for my kids, 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 that they could live in a, live in a world, have a church that is moving forward, that's not retreating, that walks in great power and love and light. Whoa. I'm building for a city that I've never seen. My favor is not just for me. So Nehemiah comes, he comes into the city, and he says, listen, let's get to work. And they say, cool, let's get to work. Twelve times in the third chapter of Nehemiah, it says that leaders, the leaders built. The great, one of the greatest needs we have in this hour is for good leaders. Not just leaders, because there's bad ones, but good leaders. I was so shook. By the fact, I heard, I read an article the other day. They said that there's not anyone in Seattle to run against the city council members there. You guys remember the Seattle City Council? They were doing all this crazy stuff last year. They were in the news and all this stuff. There was nobody to take their place. We need leaders more than ever in this time. Oh, people that are willing to get involved and say, listen, it's not enough for me just to build my comfort. Oh, come on, guys. Now I'm just preaching over and over here. Come on, y'all better help me this morning. Leaders build. Listen, it calls them by name. Listen, it's going to take every one of us to rebuild these cities. It's gonna, I said it's going to take every one of us to rebuild these cities. The Bible says in chapter 3, verse 5, that there were rich guys in the city and they wouldn't offer their bird, they wouldn't offer their neck. They wouldn't put their shoulder under the work. And I thought, isn't that a picture of the West? We've got all this money, but no one's willing to do the work. Because faith looks like risk. The Bible says they were unwilling to offer their neck. And then all of a sudden the enemy hears about their, their working and says, oh, y'all better stop that. We're going to come and kill you guys. Nehemiah said, you know what? And the, the people's hearts begin to fail. And Nehemiah said, you know what? He said, y'all can come down, try to kill us if you want, but we're going to keep working. Oh, I don't think you heard what I said. You can try to come down here and keep us from gathering, but we're going to keep gathering. You can try to come down here and stop us from singing, but we're going to keep singing. Oh, come on, somebody help me now. You can try. Listen. Oh, y'all ain't with me. Come on now. Hey. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They said, listen, that's fine if you want to come and fight. But here's what we're going to do. Every, every worker, is they're going to carry a hammer in one hand and they're going to have a sword in the other. This is the prophetic picture of the church for this hour. We build and we battle. Oh, we work and we war. The Bible says we don't fight the way the world fights. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spirits of wickedness in high places. This is how I fight my battles. 
Oh, come on now. This is how I fight. And see, listen, I don't fight the way the world fights. I fight with worship. I fight with declaration. I fight with prayer and with fasting. This is why we sing the way we do. This is why we worship the way we do. Because we don't fight the way the world fights. This is why the enemy's been trying to steal our breath. Because he's after our worship. He's after our song and our sound. There's a song and a sound that needs to come out of the Northwest. It's beginning to stir. I can hear it. I can feel it. Ooh. Uh. Psalm 140, uh, 149 says, the, let the high praise of God be in their mouth. And what? A two-edged sword in their hand. You see, your worship is warfare. Don't believe me? Second Chronicles 20. The Bible says that the army of Israel went out. They were surrounded by their enemies. And the king said, what are we going to do? <laughs> so they gather everybody together. Let's pray. And he says, the prophet comes out and says, hey, listen. Listen to the prophet and you'll prosper. Go out and just go out and worship. Sing before the Lord. So they put the, they put the worshipers out first. How many of you know, listen, I, you know. Hey, here's a guitar. Go to war. You know what I mean? Like, hey, where are the rest of them, you know? <clears throat> the Bible says they went out and they declared, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Oh, come on. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I said the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. There's a... There's got to be something that rises up on the inside of you that just says, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Listen, you might be in the biggest battle of your life right now. We're dealing with some stuff. My family, my wife and I, we're dealing with stuff. I tell you what, something came over me the other day. And I was in the office and I just had enough. That's why I just turned up the music as loud as it would go. And I started praying in tongues as loud as I could. Because <laughs> I don't fight the way the world fights. Listen, I've got secret weapons of war. I got a tongue that no one can understand but God. And when I get into the spirit and I start releasing my tongue, I know that something is breaking. Because what I bind on earth is bound in heaven. This is how I fight my battles. We warfare with worship. We warfare with prayer. Think, listen to this. There are natural realm, follow me, there are natural realm answers to spiritual invisible realm problems. Think about it. Natural realm answers to spiritual realm problems. Prayer. Singing, fasting, giving. What if you're, oh my goodness, y'all are getting, y'all get, get me fired up here. I got to get to my notes. Oh. Oh, Jesus, help me, help me now, help me. Ooh. <clears throat> Where was I? Prayer, yeah, 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 yeah. Natural realm, it's a spirit, yeah, spiritual realm problems. That's right. So one of the greatest, what I feel like, and, 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 and uh, um, so, so Nehemiah 
What he refused to do was listen to the voice of intimidation. Y'all just turn your TV off. Come on, turn it off. Get rid of your, get, delete your Facebook, delete your stuff, delete your social media. If it ain't helping you guys, turn it off. Because in this hour, we've got to hear the voice. We've got to hear the voice that's above the sound. I'm telling you right now, the greatest, one of the greatest things that we have right now, one of the greatest commodities we have right now as the people of God is hope. He with the most hope wins. The first time this word hope is used in the scripture, it's very interesting. It's actually not even translated hope. The root word is the same because the Hebrew is kind of a special language. And so these root words work together. The first time this word hope is used in the, in the Hebrew, it's actually out of the story of uh, in Joshua when Joshua sent in the two spies into Jericho to spy out. Jericho, and the Bible says that they went and hid in the harlot Rahab's house, and the, the, the king and everyone was like, hey, where's those Israelites, and they're like, she's like, oh, they're not here, they left, and then she snuck them down the, you remember, they, she let them down the, down the rope, down the wall, but she says, hey, listen, I know that, um, I know that uh, God's given you this land, but uh, will you show me kindness, and uh, they say, yeah. They said, take a scarlet thread and hang it and put it in your window. Some of you remember this story. A red, oh, come on, follow me now. A red, a scarlet thread. And that word is the rope. That word for rope is the same word for hope. Interesting. This blood, oh, listen, follow me. The blood red rope that's extended uh, is the hope for the world, oh, for the world, come on. Listen, we're here, we have a mission and a mandate to release hope into the world. Listen, you're not gonna, you're, you're gonna touch places that I'll never touch. You have, a, you have a metron that I don't have. And in closing, I wanna show you a picture. I stumbled onto this picture just recently and the story is just outstanding. This is David Brown on the left and Jerome, his, 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 uh, his, his, his partner, Jerome Avery, on the right. Now, uh, David Brown is one of the fastest men on the earth and he's also completely blind. <clears throat> and because he's completely blind, he needs to have someone to run alongside of him. Now, this man Avery on the right, which you see, he is much older than Mr. Brown. But he comes alongside, and I don't know if you can see the picture, but their hands are literally tied together. And when I read this story, when I watched this story uh, uh, on, on YouTube, I began to weep. Something began to well up inside of me. He said, Mr. Brown says, listen. He goes, I don't need to be able to see where I'm going. I just need to be able to hear his voice. Oh. 
And I thought, what a beautiful picture of a generation coming alongside a younger generation that is completely blind and saying, I'm willing to tie my hand to you and run shoulder to shoulder. And Mr. Avery, he missed his opportunity to be in the Olympics. He missed it just by barely. He said, I might not get the crown, but I'm going to live my life to begin to help someone else get the crown. And I'm going to train and I'm going to fight and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray that someone else will have an opportunity and I'm willing to bind my hand with a rope of hope to a generation that might not have an opportunity to hear God and to see God, but I'm willing to give my life. Y'all got me fired up. I'm willing to give my life for a generation uh, that I might never see my son's 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 I'm going to build in this hour. I'm going to build the church. I'm going to build with my giving. I'm going to build with my prayer. I'm going to build committed to the house of God. Uh, Oh, Jesus. So we battle and we build in this hour. I don't know about you, but I look at the cities and I look at this region and I can see the seeds of greatness. And I'm not gonna just let this thing pass me by. And I'm not gonna be more addicted to my comfort than I am to the kingdom of God. Amen. Why don't you stand with me as we close? Ooh, y'all okay? I should have apologized earlier. I, 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 I shout not because I'm angry, but I'm shouting because I'm excited. <laughs> I just, I feel, I feel it. I feel this. Listen, if you're here today, I had a, I felt like there was a word this morning. The Lord was saying this today that there was going to be people here that are in the fight of their life. Maybe you've got, uh, maybe you've got family members that, you're, that are struggling. Maybe you're struggling with sickness or disease. You're just in the fight of your life. I want to invite you to come down to the altar. We're going to spend a little bit of time coming into agreement. The prayer team is here, ready to come into agreement with you. Let's take one moment, just for a moment. Let's just close our eyes. If you're believing God for a miracle right now, I want you just to lift your hands. If you need a financial miracle, if you need a physical miracle, if you need a healing in your soul, you need a breakthrough in your life, Come on, we serve the God of breakthroughs and in a moment he can turn things. In a moment he can shift things. We've seen so many people healed. We've seen cancer healed. I've seen tumors dissolved. I've seen all kinds of miracles. Blind eyes open. Deaf ears have opened. Pain from past accidents has been healed. We believe in God for blood disorders to be healed. Come on, let's just take a minute and pray and just look to Jesus. We look to the cross, we look to the one, the Savior. Holy Spirit, pour out your peace this morning. I release the kingdom of heaven on you now in Jesus' name. I release the peace and the shalom of heaven over you now in Jesus' name. And Father, as we commit to this mission, as we commit to, to, to see you in our workplace, to find you, God, and what you're doing, teach us how to build, teach us how to battle in this hour. God, show us how to partner with you in the earth. More than anything, we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
We've seen severe migraines be healed. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Bone, uh, 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 arthritis be healed right now in Jesus' name. Rotator cuffs be healed right now in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray a blessing right now over this church, this community. God, I ask that, that you would continue to pour into them, fill them today. And as we celebrate the 4th of July, Father, let us have an, an incredible time, an incredible weekend. God, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. Listen, hey, thanks so much for coming to The Pursuit, joining us this morning. Listen, we want to invite you. Come back. We'll be together next week, 9, 1030, and noon. Let's build the house of God together. Amen. God bless you guys. You're free to go now. Thank you. Blessings. <laughs>